And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Honorary 10th episode, the big one zero. We're in double digits now on the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I'm your host. LJ Cascon. I have the Thunder from Down Under. I'm going to switch it up on you real quick. I never do George first. We got my boy George down the, the sweet Aussie George. And then I got the father of the basement, Hot Take Harrison. We are running with the three-man operation again. But you know what? We're going to make it work because that's what we do every single episode. We're going to make it work again, boys. Happy 10th episode. I know I wasn't here for all 10. I don't think any of us have been here for all 10, but we're here today and that's all that matters. And then we go into the week in review, how we start most shows here. And this week, the Heat find new ways every single week to show you that maybe they've hit rock bottom. This was as close as we've been to rock bottom thus far. I'm sure we'll trickle even lower, or maybe they'll keep it up during uh, this, this important road trip. But getting blown out by the Pistons on your home floor, then losing to the last place Spurs on your home floor. They did sneak in a win over the Kawhi-less Clippers, and then they won last night on Monday in Indiana which is surprising though, since prior to last night's win, they were 13 and 49 all time in Indiana before that win. So they picked up the crucial win number 14 for the Miami Heat in Indiana. That's some Denver nugget energy right there. I looked it up too, because I was like, they always struggle in Denver. I wonder what that record is. Surprisingly, not nearly as bad as you'd think the Indiana, or the uh, not as bad as the Indiana record is. They're 13 and 49 all time in Indiana or 14 and 49 all-time in Indiana. They are 13 and I think 22 in Denver. Really? Like, obviously, they only play once every year in Denver, so it makes sense that the discrepancy isn't as much. But fun little stat for you there. Miami hasn't won in Denver since 2016, so maybe maybe they changed that this year since they're all about going into places they don't win as Harry shakes his head. Um, J- Jimmy's going nuclear regular season nuclear for him anyway, where he just shows up in the fourth quarter, hits every shot. He did it in Boston. He did it last night in Indiana. He's seemingly doing it every single time he takes the floor. And they're still losing to some of the worst teams in the league. And we talked about it last week, and I'll bring it up again today, but I'm not going to harp on it too much. Spo hasn't been incredible. This, is, this isn't his, you know, his, his piece de resistance, so to say. He, he hasn't been incredible. He did do a good job against Indiana, I will say that, but this is more of a bigger picture thing. He did stagger them well last night, but we need to see that more consistently to kind of fill up some of the very, very big Swiss cheese holes that are on this roster. No one besides Bam and Jimmy have been difference-making good. Uh, You can throw Caleb in there. He has been kind of the only player recently for Miami anyway where they get a contract extension and then they continue to elevate their play. That's what Caleb has been this season. Uh, Yes, Tyler and Kyle have been decent, but not difference-making good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, So I asked you guys, how did we get here from being perennial contenders last season to where we sit today? And do you think they can turn it around on this air quote, easy road trip? Harry, let's start with you. Um, I mean, how did we get here? We, uh, we've made some transactional mistakes and um, we really thought that bringing in undrafted guys and guys that were, kind of positionless and we're basically just smaller than, than the size they need to be um, would be good enough. Um, I didn't really think Deadman would play a ton of minutes this year, but he has, and um, 
he's been absolutely atrocious. Anytime Bam goes to the bench, the defense just falls off a cliff. And um, the team hasn't been able to make up for it. Last year, a lot of it was um, whatever slack you want to give him. Kyle played well in the regular season. The three-point shooting was excellent. They were first in the league. They haven't come close to repeating that. Um, and they've had a lot of issues um, defending this year. Uh, I realize that we kind of all agree that it wasn't that bad that they let P.J. Tucker go, but not replacing a guy that could essentially guard anybody on the court and gave them the ability to switch constantly has been troublesome for this team. So even against teams that are struggling like the Pistons from last week and the Spurs, who I think at the time had lost 14 out of 15 or something absurd like that, um, they're young, they're faster, they're hungrier, and they're just they were able to get to the spots they needed to get to and hit the shots that they needed to hit. And that was all she wrote. Miami hasn't been scoring a lot and hasn't been doing it in an efficient clip. Last night, they had basically a 1980s basketball game. You haven't seen an 87-82 score in a very long time. And I'm sure they'll take the win in Indiana because you mentioned the record before. But um, the team is kind of struggling in all facets. I'd say the only two guys that are really showing up consistently night to night are Jimmy and Bam. And um, they're not really getting anything around them. So – you obviously need them to play well. They, I think you could argue that Jimmy and Bam had perfect uh, had pitched a perfect game against the Clippers, and that's why they won. Um, those guys were exceptional, and the other guys did enough to chip in. But on a nightly basis, you really don't know what you're getting from three through eight on the roster, and I'm going to say eight because that's been the rotation. Um, you don't know who those guys are going to be or what they're going to do. And it hasn't been good enough for most of the nights. So um, we're just kind of in this holding pattern. I mean, I think everyone has kind of gotten to the point where, what are we now, 27 games in? We're kind of at that point where people are just like, yeah, they have to make a move. And, you know, a lot is probably going to become clearer, hopefully over the next few weeks. Uh, the whole league becomes – or a high majority of the league becomes trade eligible – on um, Thursday, 12-15. So um, any guy who signed as a free agent, except for a few exceptions, of course we have a couple of them, will be available to be traded on Thursday. And I'm hoping that opens the floodgates for the league in general. I love trades and activity and for the Heat because um, we really need some new blood. I think you're seeing that game to game. You've, you've had the Heat talking a lot this year, a lot of complaints, a lot more out of Spo. Spo's not usually that candid with the media he's been making a lot of comments about you know what the team needs to do better some of that's been directed at tyler some of that's you know uh kyle said a few things recently came out and said that you know they're not doing enough night tonight and um you know they all have different messages but i think the i think the thing that's kind of clear is that the chemistry the camaraderie the stuff that seemed to work last year is just not working this year and um, that happens in builds that go on for too long. So that's where we are. We're kind of at a crossroad or a fork in the road, whatever you want to call it. Um, the team needs to decide what they want to do and how they want to do it. And um, for my money, it has to happen much, much sooner than later. They're, or they're, things are just going to be up and down with uh, the rest of the schedule. I don't think they're that much better than other teams will 
when they play these bad teams. I'm not sitting there like, oh, yeah, bet the Heat. They're definitely going to win. I don't feel that confidence when I watch the games. And um, even in the game last night, we were up by 19, and that that did down to five very quickly. I think it was lower, actually. Um, and they're just, you know, they're they're trying, but I don't really think there's much this team can do as currently constructed. George, going over to you now, what's your take on the current Heat mock-up, and, and do you think they can really turn it around on this road trip? Um, definitely not on this road trip. I, I feel like there's just not enough um, of a test in this road trip to really see where you sit um, in terms of just the league overall. You're versing four of the worst teams, um, including last night's game. Well, you got three of the most, three of the worst teams coming up. You need to, um, you should be taking these games easily. But the, we saw against the game uh, against the Detroit Pistons, against the Spurs, we continue to make the same error, the same mistakes, and I want to hone in on a point that uh, that Harry made as well. And I also agree that not bringing back Peter Tucker would would actually is actually the right move for us. And it wasn't the contract that would, that that would help this organization. Paying him eleven million when he's forty years old is just not to play. So it's just um. Like that's 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 all well and good, but not replacing him is where the, the problems lie. And when you become stagnant, and when you when you really uh, don't replace talent, you you get what we're seeing today, which is a diminished bench, uh, not enough experience or talent in, in general picking up G League guys. Um, and it's all great for you know the culture argument of bringing in G League guys and 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 you know uh, seeing how that goes. But at the end of the day, you really need to. Uh, acquire talent as per needed and you can't always find that in the G League and there's no there's no shame in that but if you look at today and I was looking at some pretty incredible stats so far if you look at our bench at the moment we rank dead last in assists 28th in rebounds um, three point percentage we're 29th field goal percentage we're 29th points we're 29th it's just you can tell the bench is just not bringing what they usually you know what what we expect of them and especially the three guys you know on um on expiring deals they really need to you know to 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 pick it up as well uh one of them hasn't played all season in year seven uh so you really can't obviously expect much from from him if he can just cheerlead on the bench for as long as he can until he can get healthy but the players like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess who you know who really do need to perform they've just not brought it this year and I feel like the locker room has really suffered because of it as well. Um, I feel like you've just lost a massive, it feels like we've lost a massive piece of ourselves and we're still trying to find that as well. But having players underperform in, in such crucial categories as, as this, and, and, and it reflects that in the stats, it's just not good enough for a team that has championship aspirations. Now, can they turn it around this season? You know, if everything goes absolutely perfectly and in an ideal 2K, uh, 2K-esque world where you can make as many trades as you want, that would be fine. But, you know, we've got restrictions. We've got limitations. It is what it is. You can't really control, um, you know, these, um, yeah, you know, you can't really control all the aspects of, of your team like that. But I I don't see them climbing out of this hole completely unscathed. I think they, they will make some some good moves. Um, you know, by the trade deadline, but anything to help us in the immediate future, I, I don't see that happening. What we said, or Harry, you wanted to add something? 
Yeah, uh, just slight disagreement with you, George. I think this is very good that Struess and Vincent are struggling. Uh, I didn't want to pay them, and I think I'm hoping we are just seeing that, one, um, these guys grow on trees because the heat have found them. Like as if you pick a fruit off a tree, they are – um, they are fine guys. They are replacement level guys. They can definitely help you for a year. And they will. There are times where they will play above their heads. Truce was excellent in the regular season, and then obviously when he became the starter last year, Gabe was very good in the playoffs, replacing Lowry. But I feel like there's just a very short shelf life on these undrafted free agents. I think the Heat need to start realizing this, and they need to move them before they make more mistakes. We've, we obviously got the one guy on the roster who. Um, we're still suffering from them thinking he was the best shooter ever. So if you can attach Max to a deal to help you get off his uh, future salary and he helps you get a guy back, do it and include Vincent. Do it. They have guys in the G League that can come up and do similar things. I obviously wouldn't expect them to be as steady and stable as, as uh, Gabe has been as the backup point guard, but I just think there are guys who have – uh, at least a similar amount of talent. A, a lot of the reason why they brought in Gabe was his shooting, and he has really just not consistently been able to shoot the ball well, at least the, you know well enough where he was in the G League when they brought him in from Sacramento. And it's time to move on. Um, you know, I understand that they might think that they're competing this year, but they are not, and we can get into that a little bit later. But um, they need to move off these guys as soon as possible and stop pretending that they are the future of the team because they're not. And um, we can, we should have learned this lesson already, so I, I don't want to go through it again with different guys. Just to rebut, like to, to come back on your point as well, it, it makes sense that. You know, the Heat learned their lesson now saying that these undrafted guys aren't the aren't the future and aren't the answer to all of our problems as previously constructed. But when I say when I say that it's it's not a good thing, I mean in the immediate success of the team, what you'd expect of these players, they're not performing and they're not doing, which is it's it that's sad to me. Players like Gabe Vincent who have come in and they've proven that they are good players, but they go through these these massive rush rough stretches. Um it's right. You're right. It does bring to light the fact that these players are replaceable and they're, they're not, you know, they're not future proof as well. You know, there's a reason that a lot of these guys go on draft. The players like Max Struess earlier in the season, I think it was around 13 games in or 12 games in, we were talking about him getting a $14 million extension, you know, and and, and paying him like that. But now we're looking at it saying, get get this guy the hell off my team because he's, um, he's underperforming to a max level, you know, no, no pun intended. But I wanted to say in the last 11 games as well, I brought up this stat in a, in a recent uh, thread I was I was constructing. Max Struess over 11 games is minus 63. Now, that's an insane stat when you think about it. We make fun of Deadman for having one of the funniest stat lines in, in negative plus minus. Negative 63 is just an abomination of all of <laughs> all attempts. And I think from what I saw when I was um, when I was researching that, in the last 11 games, he's only had a positive plus minus once or twice. I think, I think it was twice, which is just incredible. So when, and, and I, the reason why I'm bringing this up, there's only so much blame you can put on the player like that as well. I feel like some of these guys aren't supposed to be playing 25, 28, 30 minutes. Max Struess over the last 10 games was, I think he was playing 33 minutes a game or 30, 31 minutes a game, which is insanity. That's insanity. There's no situation where Max Struess 
should be playing that unless he was starting on the team. There's just, and I get it. You can have a six man make it, you know, playing that sort of minutes. We had it with Tyler Hero last year, but you're undrafted for a reason. You know, you're going you're gonna to go through these rough stretches and it's going to take you a long time to do it, uh, to, to, to work your way out of it. Now, the problem with that is that it just doesn't fit the timeline of the team. By the time Max, Max becomes a more competent player, Jimmy might be 36 years old on the second last year of his deal, which is just not, not what we need at all. Yeah, I, I think what the Heat are learning and something that they, if they haven't already learned, need to learn really, really soon is that, like Harry said too, the short li- the shelf life is very short. All these undrafted dudes are a lot like bananas. I mean, you can buy them, throw them in your grocery cart, and then they're stale by the time you get home. You need to eat that damn banana in the car ride home. Otherwise, it's going to be no good. That That's basically what they're doing with a Max Juice, with a Gabe Vincent with a, I don't want to say his name because Harry curses it every single time I say it, but Duncan Robinson, it, it, it's tough. It's really, really, really tough that you have something like that. And the, their, their quote unquote prime, if we can say it that way, is so small that you need to get the most out of them and then move on because just like bananas, they grow on trees. It's Miami plantains, baby. Like we, we know this, this is nothing new. Um, what I took away from that first road trip from that first game though, was defense was the main takeaway, uh, holding the Pacers to 82 points in the year of 2022 is something I don't think anyone, if you bet the under congratulations, I guess, uh, Bam cooked his, uh, his future teammates, uh, miles Turner for teammate singular, not plural miles Turner. If I had it my way and had Halliburton in a cell, the entire game held him to one point. That was pretty cool. I was happy to see that. If you want to look for a positive, Jimmy did Jimmy things. He was mostly efficient, shooting about 50%. Struggled from the free throw line again, though, which might rear its ugly head. That's been more of a consistent theme for him in the last week or so, where his free throw shooting isn't where you'd like it to be. But the most alarming thing to me is no one besides Bam and Jimmy scored in double figures in that game. And Jimmy always says, I don't think offense is the issue. Wear some glasses, get your eyes checked or something. Use that big face money. Big face coffee money to get some glasses, a prescription or something, man. Offense is an issue. It's a big, big issue. George already said it in his thread on Twitter too. They're eighth in defense. That's great. Offense is a different story. It is really, really, really ugly on the offensive side of the ball. So can they turn it around on this trip? Yeah, of course they can. But will they? The voices in the locker room are definitely getting louder and the players do hear the noise. And they know that a bad week here could potentially get your ass shipped out of the locker room. So, yeah, I think they string together a couple wins here against bad teams, which I know that sounds improbable for the 2022-23 Miami Heat, but it's just where we're at. So now moving on, as Ant has joined us as well, we want to pick a direction. And I'll let you join in here too. The it's, it's comedic and embarrassing, though, that Miami has made the same offseason mistakes of laying a goose egg for two of the last three offseasons. We've spoken this into the dirt we all know it, but it looks like Miami will be picking a direction very soon, as we alluded to, based on how this road trip potentially goes. All the injuries, holding players out, being overly cautious with a negative record, not to mention consistently losing to bottom feeders. It sure seems like this road trip, if it goes south, Miami could punt, if not on this roster, then the season. I know it's gloom and doom, but it doesn't have to be that way. They they started it off with a win in Indiana, and that's about the best foot you could start off this trip on anyway because we already talked about their woes historically in Indiana because the worst-case scenario is that they make the same mistakes as the late 2000s, early 2010 Atlanta Hawks, and they just get stuck in no man's land. You compete in round one of the playoffs, you get bounced, 
and you're always hovering around 500. You know, I said it last week. I'll say it again. If you punt on this season, you take your high-ish draft pick. You have a soft reset going into next year. It's possible to turn it around in, in no time at all, really. The Duncan and Lowry contracts will be more appetizing for other teams. Depot and Denman's money will be off the books. Maybe cash in on Gabe or Max. I mean, their value isn't exactly the height of their peak right now because we already talked about their banana having asses, but it is what it is. Uh, so what direction do you guys want to see this organization go for the remainder of this season, regardless of how this road trip plays out? And we'll start with you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, <clears throat> I ended up having some time here because I was going through a lot these last couple of days over here in my house because like the Miami Heat, my house was quite literally overflowing with shit. And I mean that in a literal way possible. I had a major septic tank issue and it has been hell trying to get someone out here to fix it. Uh, so a lot of a lot in common between my house and the Miami Heat, but we're all good now. We all got assessed. So I figured I'd hop on it and hang out with you guys for a little bit because, I mean, like you said, you brought up a ton of great points about stuff that is really critical and really important at this time of the season because I think you hit you know you hit it right on the coffin there. This next week, I think, will be a major determining factor on which direction this team decides to go because they are two games under 500 at the moment. And they have a three-game stretch coming up uh, to end this road trip against three god-awful teams. If you can beat the crap out of those three teams the way a championship, not even championship team, the way a good team would, uh, maybe this team is looking in a, in a little bit of a different direction. And that affects how, how Pat Riley wants to go about things. But for me, I know you said the worst-case scenario is mediocrity. That is certainly up there as far as worst-case scenario. But the thing that I would hate to see the most is that I, you guys are all smiling. I'm trying not to look at the private chat here. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna. I'll let you guys get to that. Uh, for me, the worst case scenario is losing the guys like Max and Gabe for absolutely nothing in the off season because these are guys that we've seen play really well last year. Not not particularly this year, but I still think they uh, they still have some value because I think a lot of teams respected what they were able to do last year. Every team wants someone that is a dog defender like Gabe. Every team one uh, would want someone who is a lights out shooter like Max was, but you know potentially still could be. Uh, so I think those guys still have some value. And I don't think, I, none of us think they're competing this year. So I think it's really important that you sell those guys while you can before they lose them for nothing. Now, of course, they're not at their max trade value, but it's impossible to predict what somebody's max trade value is. You never know if they're going to go up or down. But regardless, I still think they have some value. I don't want to lose them for nothing. It was very unfortunate they lost Kendrick Nunn for nothing. That was a guy you definitely could have got some assets for at one point. They lost Derrick Jones Jr. for nothing. He's a guy who had points where he played very well here, and they decided to hang on to him to get swept in the first round when they could have got rid of him for some assets. So that's kind of what I want to see going forward. I certainly don't think they're close enough to buy in. The really only move I'd like to see them make to get better would, uh, would either be Kevin Durant, and I low-key been feeling the Miles Turner thing more and more. I'm not going to lie to you. But if they can't get one of those guys – sell Max, sell Gabe, get some assets, go into the offseason with some more money because hopefully Duncan is in any of the deals that you trade and even more so Lowry uh, and then whatever picks you get for those guys and then you can go into the offseason in better shape than you are now. I had something else planned for this, but when when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade and Ant with that septic tank issue, it sounds like you could use some insurance. <laughs> yes. Where can I get sponsored? <laughs> a proud sponsor of the basement. I'm so happy you asked. A primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. 
Email them or give them a call today, especially you, Ant. Tell them the basement center, by the way, James Poe at simplehealthadvisors.com. Or you can give them a little ring on the old telly, 321-345-7738. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Harry dipped out. George, let's go to you. What direction do you see the Heat going for the remainder of the season? And like Ant's house, this situation is a shithouse. Oh my God, this insane. The dimes are flying today. This is just too easy. No, in all seriousness though, I, I had this whole, another thread actually, uh, thread that I didn't even know this was going to be a part of this show, but um, it was the three directions that the Heat could take. And option one was, uh, was you know, stand stand strong with what you've with what you've created so far. Option two was... Uh, cash in on your expiring deals and option three would be uh, blow it up basically blow it up and trade your star move your star for what i see in the potential that it has i uh, in terms of what is probable i feel like option two and one i'm way more probable but probable than option three which would be to move jimmy as a you know as as intriguing as that sounds it would just be um just unlike the heat to do that so i don't know what's going to happen there but um the the likely thing is that they stand strong on what they've the, the the core that they've built. The biggest move I can see them making would be pushing Kyle Lowry out the door, and um and trying to get someone better for that. But uh, you know it's just so hard to to conceptualize a deal in that in that you know with Lowry as the main focal point. I don't know without giving up a pick at least or a really important pick. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. What I would like to do, me personally, is that Jimmy is about to be making so much more money than we when we actually think. And when you look at it, thirty something million now makes sense. Forty million, blah blah blah. By thirty seven years old, when he's making fifty two million, that he is not worth scrap in the in in a trade scenario. Fifty two million dollars on Jimmy Butler at thirty seven is insane. And now I know he's done a lot for the organization. He's, he's brought us real, really close twice. He's, an, he's a phenomenal post-game, uh, postseason player. Another team can use that. And in the current climate of the trade, you know, of, of the trade market, after Rudy Gobert nets you five picks or four picks, I forget what it is, and five players, there's surely a team out there that can match or go in excess of this deal to offer us something big. Now, trading Jimmy would be, like I said, the last thing the organization would think to do. But at the trade deadline, when his value would be at its highest, because teams would not think that um, you know, that he would have been available. But you make him available and teams start to scatter. You know, deals become available, picks get put on the table, teams are gonna want to compete. It's the teams that are on the cusp that can use a player like that to really then give the organization its best bet at retooling as soon as possible to contend as soon as possible. Do I think that the team can, that, that the organization can still put the right players around Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler? I think they can. I think they can. But am I willing to take the risk? I don't think so. I'm not willing to take the risk. Because if it doesn't pay off, and in three three years' time, you know, Jimmy's 37, $52 million, and he just goes off the books one day, and we're, you know, Bam and Tyler are, uh, just the core then it's going to be a lot harder to entice talent to come play at, you know with these two players i think that jimmy can really kickstart that rebuild asap 
So I, I'm taking the Jimmy deal. I'll get to I, I have I have some solutions as well that I'll offer. And I'm not a, a huge fan of the Jimmy trade Jimmy thing. And the main reason is when once he's kind of walking halfway out the door, players of some notoriety that Miami has talked about to uh, a high extent would be Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown, both of which become haveable on the, around the same time frame as Jimmy kind of walking out. So, yeah, I, I understand the appeal of kind of shipping him out, maximizing it. We always we, – we bash them. We've done it this show on not maximizing the assets. This would be the time to maximize the Jimmy asset. But at the same time, I feel like in free agency, you can have Donovan Mitchell if he doesn't re-sign with Cleveland. They just lost to the Spurs too, so maybe it's fashionable to lose to the Spurs now. Maybe we were ahead of the curve. Who the hell knows? But who he could be gone. Jalen Brown, his relationship with Celtic Brass, who knows? I, I, I'm not an insider. I don't exactly know, but it doesn't exactly feel like it's it's all hunky-dory over there. I mean, but Harry, go to you now because Harry has rejoined us, by the way. Uh, what, what are some solutions that you see here for this team to kind of turn it around? Or should they turn it around? Should they keep trying it this season or should they kind of just punt? Um, so I'm more, I know there's probably like, uh, like George is saying, there's probably three ways to look at it. I'm, I don't think there's any move out there with the assets the heat have that puts them into contention this season. Um, you know, I understand things happen and teams can get hurt and, you know, you need one thing to go your way. I just, I don't see that for Miami. I think a lot of things would have to go their way. So I'm, I'm really not cashing in, um, our first round picks or anything. I don't want to do that right now. I don't think that, I don't think a move that you can make helps the heat enough to be a contender. And if you do that and don't win, you're in a worse spot than you are. So let's look at the other two options. I think I'm kind of with you. I'm not, not necessarily go, looking to sell Jimmy at this exact moment in time. Um, if you could sell Kyle, I would do that for whatever. Um, I realize that's probably easier in the off season when he's an expiring, a big expiring contract. But I would do that, and then if that pissed Jimmy off and he wanted to go a different direction, that's a different story, and then you just kind of go that way. I think I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I want—I was talking about this earlier in a group chat. Uh, I want to do a two-year retool. That's my goal. Um, I want to take the next two seasons and um, get younger, uh, get wings in here that can really help with supposed defensive philosophy. Uh, guys that make it easier to switch. The zone defense is a gimmick. It can work, but it's but against teams that can shoot in the NBA, it's not a long-term thing that they do. Get young wings um, with con with contracts next year. Um, and so what happens is if you can do that, if you can make a couple moves to do that, um, find some guys that are kind of on the outs with other teams, right? You're kind of looking at teams that don't, we're going to talk about um, a Mo Bamba guys on those teams that kind of like resigned because there weren't a lot of other options, but maybe they're not long-term with the magic. There are these guys out there that exist. Um, they are also teams that would probably take a Duncan with a second round pick or some sweetener, or maybe a Max or a Gabe or something to make the deal happen. Um, that kind of would allow, and we talked about this pre-show. Um, there are teams out there that, are not going to be big hotbeds for free agents that usually strike out. Uh, we talked about teams like Detroit, Indiana, the Orlando, San Antonio, um, teams that just are going to have are going to have an issue signing big free agents, and also teams that are young and are going to want to be bad for a year or two and kind of let their young guys grow into their roles. They would take a Duncan. One, 
absolutely helped them tank. He's not a good basketball player, and I, I'm not sure he ever was. I think we were tricked. Um, and two, uh, he's going to be a big expiring contract when they make a big move with a lot of the talent that they have. Orlando's has stockpiled a lot of talent down there. Wendell Carter is having a really good year. They've just, you know, they've done a, a decent job of getting a lot of talent in there. Um, and Detroit is obviously going to tank again. Now the Cade's out for the year with the shin surgery, the Spurs. I'm not sure what they're doing um, with their picks. There are just teams that would be willing to take on a bad contract because it's probably going to be helpful in a couple of years. And those are the teams you got to look for. The Heat need to make any type of move um, to get off some of these deals. And they would essentially look at this deadline to reset themselves and then the offseason to move Lowry, um, to put guys that actually fit around Bam. I've said that for years that they have not maximized the guy next to Bam. And um, maybe give Jimmy one last run as the best player uh, before figuring out the next step and possibly cashing in. Um, either cashing in on those picks for a bigger player. Like, they either need to go and get a star, which I don't think is available now, or they need to um, just kind of sit here, retool, and figure out the next steps. And if Jimmy ends up saying, that's not good enough for me, you told me we were going to win and I want out, then so be it. There's not a lot they can do if that's a decision that he comes to on his own. But that's kind of where I'm at. They need to they need to move Duncan. Um, if it takes a second or a couple second-round picks, they need to do that. You can always restock the second-round pick cover. They need to stop being cheap. Um, they need to move Max or Gabe if a team wants them in order to make these moves happen. Um, and they probably need to use Depot and Deadman's contracts uh, from the middle of January. That's when they be eligible to the deadline um, to make a small upgrade for somebody, you know, looking to shed some salary. Um, that would kind of be uh, what I'm thinking. I, I don't see it this year. Uh, I think giving up, if they give up this 20 pick, I was talking about this earlier and they're left with simply the 2029, 2028 20, or 2029 pick for the rest of the decade in order to make moves because that 2025 pick has protections that makes 2027 unavailable uh, at this time, you're really asking for a world of pain. Like they need this 2023 pick to be something good, whether it's a lottery pick that helps them next season or they use it at the draft to upgrade or something. It, you know, it can't be no offense. Cause I, I think he's going to be good, but it can't be a Jovich that they're waiting another year on. It's got to be a guy that can instantly come in and make an impact for this team because they need that. And I mean, that's where I am. They need to spend the next month, two months figuring out the targets they want and seeing if they have anything um, that can get us there because this team ain't it. And I'm not going to sit through these games and watch these guys just drool over each other. I'm tired of them. So let me get this straight. You weren't at the edge of your chair watching the 87, 82 nail biter last night. You didn't love that 87 point performance. I had to be on the stream. So I was waiting for it to end so I can, you know, give my piece. Uh, I was upset that Jimmy and bam missed three out of four free throws down the stretch. But, um, you know, I was just like, this is, this is not good enough, right? We've talked about them. Not really. They either can't crack a hundred or just is very tough for them to get there that, you know, you want basketball to be fun and you want it to look more effortless than it does. And I feel like everything the heat does um, is tough. 
and they make it really hard on themselves and we need to uh, not do that anymore. It's not, it's not working and it's time for a change. And that's the beautiful thing about this podcast too, is we don't just complain. We give potential solutions to our complaints as Harry just did as well. Now I said a few minutes ago that there are some quick turnarounds and Harry, I am on board with a two-year turnaround. And, and my personal one, I'll explain it here in a second is a one-year turnaround. People have this negative connotation around the word like rebuild or a retool when you can literally do it in one off season. Like it's not that hard. I was going to use Cleveland as an example, but I mean, when a star like Donovan Mitchell falls into your lap, it's not exactly the same thing as like internal or just making a couple moves here or there. Getting a superstar definitely expedites the process, but there are some one year scenarios that Miami can get into to get right back into contention as early as next season. And they can go for the quick fix route like this season or, or this off season and go for a, a miles Turner or, and a buddy healed that does fix one of their two of their most glaring problems on the glass and outside shooting. And I've been banging the door on that for months, but I, th that's more of a quick fix for this season. Does that move the needle enough? That's kind of up for, you know, debate on a, an individual person. George, what do you think about that? Honing into that deal, especially you're going to have to give up two first round picks minimum for that deal to work. That's just no way that the Heat get that done without, especially this year's pick. They're going to want this year's pick so badly. Look, they're willing to move off off Hield and Turner. That's no secret. It's been widely widely you know talked about and available and and you know available information. But they're going to want two first round picks at a minimum for those two players because that they're, they're looking to to kickstart their new rebuild around uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton ASAP. They want that so badly, and the quicker they can do that, the better. So, and my come uh, then it comes around. Like it's 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 another question saying well if I'm like I'm comfortable as a fan if I'm just sitting in my shoes saying am I comfortable giving up those picks do I think it moves the needle enough to have like a, a core of healed hero buddy oh uh, sorry healed hero Jimmy Bam and Turner I think that makes us good enough to compete at the highest level again but will it win I don't know I, I but look in terms of getting the most for the for the least amount that's going to probably set you back the least compared to getting a guy like a um you know a Kevin Durant who's been rumored to leave and after the start that they've had and the the turmoil that they've had over in Brooklyn I don't see him wanting to stay there for much longer I don't think that's going to be um I think that's going to be a really big talking point come to the trade deadline as well seeing what's going to happen with him Phoenix still really interested and the Heat obviously would love to get that deal done but probably don't have enough to get that deal done anyway Unless they're going to want, you know, all three picks, a couple of seconds, you know, but we can't because the protections on the picks are, you know, are make it complicated as well. Then you're going to have to match the money. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do there. But um, look, I, I feel like the only deal that they could do to push us back into like automatic contention would be the Kevin Durant deal. Even the Turner and Hill deal doesn't guarantee anything because those, those, you know, two guys have to come and get molded by this organization, have to integrate here as well. And I'm not saying they can't. I just don't know them well enough to know, like, would they embrace that, you know, heat culture to come <laughs> to come and uh, and play that? I'm just joking. I love I love what this organization is. It's it's an amazing organization, especially when um I, I think Ant, you were with me for this um the interview we had with with uh, Carl Guy when he spoke about how highly he spoke about the the heat organization uh, in comparison to other organizations and saying. They're so professional and it's an amazing culture to be around, amazing people to be around. So uh, I think that they wouldn't have a problem integrating. But to win, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work.
The only reason that I didn't include the Kevin Durant that that the Buddy and the Miles is my my best case scenario quick fix because I purposely left Kevin Durant out because I, Brooklyn has quietly, very very quietly, been figuring it out. They've won a majority of their games recently. They have a winning record now. It seems like things are kind of fixing themselves over there. I don't think they're going to win a championship, but they are not the dumpster fire they were two months ago. Like. Harry, you wanted to say something about Brooklyn? Yeah, Brooklyn also went out and like signed a bunch of guys. They signed, um, you know, they signed TJ Warren, who you know people said he was too injured to make a contribution. He's, you know, he's playing a bit now off their bench. Um, I'm going to wildly Martin, mispronounce no. his name, uh, but they signed the guy from Toronto. Um, wanna, wanna, I don't want to mess it up, but. Um, he was he was actually shooting he was lead, he was it was very small sample size but he was actually leading the league in three point percentage before he went down with an injury. Um, he's back now. Joe Harris is back healthy. Like they have some guys around their stars that aren't um, Dwayne Dedman, and that's a big plus in the NBA. Just not being Dwayne Dedman is a huge plus to your ability to win basketball games, and so. You know, obviously they have a ton of stuff going on. Uh, the I don't really want to get into the the Kyrie thing or anything else, but um, you know, I'm not really expecting them to win. But when you got your two stars and you have role players around them playing well, playing their role, and you have they have a bunch of big guys. They're not tiny. They're not you know they're not playing small ball or anything. Um, they're winning games, and you can do that in the NBA. Uh, for me and the and you know the Heat fan, I want. Uh, I want to be good in the postseason if that's what the plan is going to be. So I don't care as much about the regular season at this point. And I was kind of mentioning it before, like if you got to trade bad contracts or bad contracts simply to try to uh, send a jolt to this team and jumpstart this team, they have to do it. Uh, different guys will at least at least show the team one that uh, they're trying, even if it's not the best move, and two that um, they want to bring in different faces to try to make this work around and bam. And you know, when they had the offseason where they didn't do that, I think they really sent a message to the team like, uh, "We're not going to go all out to win. We're not going to spend to win." Um, you guys know that they left some money on the mid-level exception out there. They didn't use the biannual money. Um, they let Stanley and, Johnson get plucked. Yeah, that was an odd move too. Obviously, they they um, you know they like Stanley enough to bring him into the G League. I'm confused if you figured he would just sign him, go into the tax, and you'll fix it in a month. That's what I'm not understanding. Like the tax is not something like you can't get out of it. They've gone out of it many times before. Um, I'm pretty sure any deal they do, they're going to take back less money. Uh, I'd be very surprised if they take on money in any deal that they do over the next two months. So I'm always surprised here with the injuries that we have with, um, with the guy on the roster who's 40 years old with an empty roster spot and not figuring out who it makes sense to sign. Um, so, but that'll get, I, I'm bleeding into the next segment now, so we'll, we'll move on. I think Harry has his op of the week figured out. Speaking of which, no, I'm just kidding. But for, for for my the way the where I'm standing at it now, obviously that was my quick fix. But I think my preferred option was definitely to, to hold on to that first round pick for this next offseason because you can just retool this offseason. They'll have flexibility. We already talked about the Lowry deal being an expiring one. Depot and uh, and Deadman, God, I don't even like saying his name. They'll be off the books too. So it's like you'll have flexibility to make something happen. And I, I I'm just not set on 
punting on the potential future and flexibility just to be slightly more competitive with a Sadiq Bay maybe this year. I, I don't know. I'm just not really feeling that. But uh, for the op of the week now, for those who aren't familiar, uh, the op of the week is we haven't done it in a while, actually. Um, it's where you talk about something that's just really, really grinding your gears for that week. It can be a person. It can be an idea. It can be a thing. For me, I'll start first so you guys have more time to kind of delve through yours. Mine's a person, and it's Adam Silver, the king of unnecessary changes. I think everyone knows where I'm going with this already today. Uh, Silver and the NBA released the five newly named and designed end-of-season trophies. I, I'll get into it. Here we go. They suck. I was going to try to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to do it. They suck. As sports fans, we all have caveman brains to an extent, right? Like we see things that we're not familiar with. We don't like them. We don't like change. It's the way that our brains are just wired. So why change something that we're used to? It's like when the NFL last season added the extra game and it completely screwed up the way final team records look and it's all wrong. I still think a team can go eight and eight in the NFL. You can't. You have to be eight, eight, and one. Now you you can be eight and nine, ten and seven. That's disgusting. That's a hideous look. No, you're not. You're ten and six. You're twelve and four. You're eleven and five. Thirteen three. You get the idea. The extra game it just screws with it. I don't like it. That's a different tangent though. Uh, no one is calling. Uh, no one's going to call it the John Havlicek Trophy. We're going to call it the Sixth Man of the Year. It's just and another thing. They took away all the personality of the old, of the old trophies where it had like the nice wooden center and it had the big bronze trophy doing like a pose. Now they just look at crystal butt plugs. That's what they look like to me. A little crystal see-through butt plug. It's disgusting. And then they tried to be unique or they used to be unique. And now they're just the exact same design, except for the Michael Jordan MVP award, because this league will take any chance it can to give Michael's ego a little tug whenever it's, it, it presents itself to them. So that's always cool of them to do. Exactly. George is doing the little animation right now. Everyone knows what we're doing. Uh, because, you know, that bald bastard Adam Silver is dead set on just adding anything that'll screw up what, we, what we've come to just understand about the NBA already, including that stupid in-season tournament. Even though everyone has already told him it's a bad idea or a useless idea, he's doing it for money. Obviously, that's why the NFL added the extra game too. It wasn't to mess with us directly. It was just for money. So just because he has zero character or charisma doesn't mean that the league and the awards need to also not have charisma or any originality to them whatsoever. So whoever else wants it, that, that was my rant. Adam Silver, you bald bitch. You completely ruined it. George, for you now, who's your op of the week? <clears throat> right before I get into that, why the fuck would you name the MVP award, the Michael Jordan award? When the player with the most MVPs in NBA history is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I, I am so dumbfounded by that. Six to five. That is the stat that is that will forever exist. Six to five. Why have you called it the Michael Jordan Award? Is it, you want to stroke his ego. But and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You give it to Kareem. Kareem is deserving of the, naming that trophy after him. He is one of the most iconic players of all time, as is Michael Jordan. I'm not saying he's not, but one more MVP is still one more MVP. And in this situation, it's the only, the only number that matters, six to five. I'm going to be honest. My up of the week has been my up of the last three years, and that is Dion Waiters. Fuck you, Dion. Do you know why? Because he is the reason we believe in undrafted bullshit. That 30 and 11 run before he had to overdose on his on his gummies and Mr. Mr. Heat game. 
that guy literally made this organization say to themselves, we found a gem. We found a gem. I know he was an undrafted. He got drafted by Cleveland. I'm not stupid. But at the same time, they brought him up out of the, out of the, the blue. And, and Josh Richardson as well was another reason why that why that happened. You know, we, we, we thought we thought Josh was going to be the, the, the center of this organization a few years ago. I remember very specifically and very specifically, they believed that this had was the bleakest future, that the Heat had the bleakest future in the NBA, the bleakest one, and that this man was going to take us out. We, and we, we put all of our love into that guy, and we traded him to Philadelphia. And, and people believed that he would be a star on this team. People did believe that. It doesn't matter how many times Harry shakes his head left and right. It's the truth. People did believe that. And I loved him. But now this organization has fallen in love with G League talent that screwed us over, and we're now currently paying <laughs> Harry's biggest nemesis, $18.5 million a year. Try and disprove me, Harry. I dare you. Before Harry has a chance to do that, you don't think it was Tyler Johnson that kind of kicked off that whole undrafted no, he, nonsense? He plays in Australia now. I love Tyler. Brooklyn legend, Tyler, by the way. Tyler. Brooklyn finally got him. That, Why I, would you match that fucking contract, man? I'm Why sorry. I don't, wanna, I don't want us to get too dark. I know. Those are dark days. Those are very, very dark days. Harry, do you have an op of the week right now for us? Uh, yeah, I, I'm upset with heat ownership. I am very frustrated that we are supposedly this contending team that will not go into the tax. I don't understand it. We always talk about how Andy is the best cap guy in the league. He's gotten that. He's gotten this out of the tax many, 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 many times. Um, I think that uh, it's absurd that we're going on years and years now of saying we're competing. Um, very few teams are able to win without going into the tax. Uh, I looked it up recently. The Lakers in the bubble were able to avoid the tax, but every other team has been in the tax. that's won a championship. And obviously that was kind of an odd year. Um, I think this lack of spending is dumb. And if you're, and if you're saying, Oh, they've spent more in other contracts, so they can't go into the tax. That's a problem too. And I just think it's, I think it's this whole philosophy that, um, you know, and I've talked about it. I've talked about it before, that they just don't spend even the money that Mickey gets back for not going to the tax. That money, like I told you guys, there's money available every draft to use on picks. We don't do that every year. You know, here we are with we have right now we have two available first round picks and three available second round picks for the rest of the decade that we're able to move. We need. Um, to change the philosophy. I understand if Mickey wants to avoid the tax for strategic reasons, the repeater tax can get annoying, but all this talk this off season was about, we can't do this because we don't want to get close to the hard cap, which was a lie. We're not even close to the hard cap. And I'm frustrated with the team and the ownership and the lack of moves they're making if they're a real contender. And if they're not a contender and they're just lying to us, let's move off of some of these contracts. Let's move on from the, uh, you know, as George is saying, let's move on from these undrafted guys. Let's bring in a couple more. Um, let's put Haslam out to pasture. We don't need to keep supporting him. He can find a job, and um, we can move on. But this cheapness is is hurting us. It's hurting the team. And I think if you disagree with me, um, you are just defending um, defending someone that you're you know you have an attachment to that hasn't done the right thing for a long time. And I'm done. That was very well said. Georgia, you have something you want to tack on? 
I missed the most important person to the G League agenda. Hassan Whiteside. Oh, no, sorry. Cr- threw me, threw me a curve Hassan ball. Whiteside. Fuck you, buddy. We should let you go to the, the Mavericks. I swear to God. That Snapchat story will forever haunt me as the day that this organization fell to your bullshit. That, that, mate, you know what? You, you let us net, you know, you helped us net um, Jimmy Butler at the end of the day. So I can't be all that mad. At the end of it all, Jimmy was basically we 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 turned Tyler uh, uh, Josh Richardson um, and and Hassan Whiteside into Jimmy Butler. So I can't be all that mad in the end of it, but that G League agenda is is filthy. Also, I wanted to add that Josh Richardson has been traded every single year. He will get moved again this year since he signed that con- that extension with the Heat. Um, he is not good. He is a consistent. Uh, step out of bound out of bouncer and um, he is really not good so I understand that you liked him he had a good personality he played video games um, he seemed like a nice guy to be around he's not a good basketball player and the fact that people thought he was was again because we overrate our own and we need to stop doing that it's becoming a real problem we, ha- we have an addiction to um, sorry basketball players and we need to move on from doing that. We need actual talent. We've only won championships. We had actual talent. You can look back at the rosters up and down filled with talent. We need talented guys. So that spoke can coach them to another ship. We're not doing it with this shit on the roster. Yes. 2006 talent up and down the roster, man. That was a great team. James Posey, super talented guy, Jason Williams, great point guard. Antoine Walker gave you the minutes every time. Uh, every time he needed something, he gave you that big double-double. He gave you that shimmy. Gary Payton was great. Um, we had Alonzo. so many. We had Alonzo was incredible off the bench. You'll never see a guy more tenacious coming off the bench. If we had Alonzo morning right now instead of Deadman, ooh, baby. Uh, Alonzo was prime, not Alonzo. If you go take his flip phone and put him in, like Alonzo back then. And you um, had Ron UD also. So it's like that – Great, great team up and down. Really talented. Um, that was an all-time trade by Riley. An excellent. I think it's still the biggest trade in NBA history. Just um, big time, big time. We need something like that to reset because this team ain't it. Now we go over to Ant. Ant, are you going to take the low-hanging fruit with your op of the week being your septic tank, or are you going to throw us a curveball too? Listen, you asking if I have an op of the week on a week that the Heat just lost to the two worst teams in the league. I got George over here disrespecting my favorite Heat player of all time, Hassan Whiteside. I got Harry over here saying that Josh Richardson is a bum. Come on, Harry. He's not a bum. Overrated? Maybe. Solid two-way player, though. I got LJ over here giving the Nets praise. Wait to the playoffs, LJ. You'll see that team fall apart when uh, when they really matter. And also, too, uh, a couple other points. Stanley Johnson, y'all acting like he got plucked. You want to talk about bums? That dude's a bum. He does one thing, and it's the only thing that this team does is play defense and be too small to play power forward. That's all he does. I don't care that he went to the Spurs. I do love your takes, though, on the trophies. Those suck. And even better, I love your take on the NFL adding an extra game because multiple times this year, after every Dolphins loss, I said, here we go again. They're going to finish 8-8, eight and eight, which is impossible. So I hate every time I, I catch myself saying that. Uh, but no, I'm not going to go with service vendors in general because they all suck and don't stick to their word. Kind of like Jimmy Butler when he said he's stupidly locked in. Speaking of that, Jimmy Butler is my op of the week. Yes, this man is a superstar. And when the games matter most, he he performs like it. But what I don't like is how this man is constantly taking games off. 
I was okay with it last year. They were the first seed. The entire bench was shooting well. You're able to afford that luxury. That is not something that you're able to do this year. I don't like how after the win versus Boston, he said, he was asked in the post game. he said, what do you expect from this team moving forward? And he said, a championship. Goes out there next game versus Memphis, plays like he doesn't give a crap, takes 11 shots, doesn't try. We all saw his body language. And then the very next night takes a rest day. A rest day from what? You very clearly didn't care for a single second that you were out there on the court the game before. And then you heard him uh, in uh, the, the interview a couple of days ago. They had asked him about uh, after the loss to the Spurs. I think they had asked him, and he said something about late game execution and ball movement. Bro, you're the superstar. Demand the ball. I'm tired of hearing people put blame on Tyler Hero for chucking shots. Jimmy, You're Jimmy Butler. You're the max player. You're supposed to be the guy. You demand the ball. You think Kobe Bryant would have been okay with that? You think Jordan or Braun would have been okay with that, letting a guy take over? No, demand the ball. It's no one else's fault but yours that you didn't take a shot in the last three, four minutes of the game. It's your fault. And now again, he's out tomorrow versus the Oklahoma City Thunder for injury management, a.k.a. rest. No, you can't take rest when your team is two games under 500. I know I've said a ton. I want him to not be playoff Jimmy all year, and I want him to rest because come playoff time, we need him healthy. This team is not going to make the playoffs. They're the 10th seed right now. And all the Sunshine Pumpers say they, they two up, they two back and forth. Guess what? They also two up of uh, like 13, okay? This is not the time to take rest. And he's constantly doing it. He's constantly picking and choosing which games he wants to try. And as a, uh, excuse me, as a dude getting paid all of this money, it's really, really unacceptable. And then to go out there in the interview and, and, and act like it's, it's someone else's fault. Say they won a championship contender, but then not try. It's really tiring. It, it really is, especially with, with all the losing going on. Uh, I'm sick of seeing it from Jimmy. I really am. Before we close, I have to let George go because he is triggered. He just took a big-ass sip of water. His throat is clear. He is ready to go in. George, the floor is yours. How fucking dare you, Ant? Come on to this show. The show that you neglected for for. Witness Weekly of all shows. I'm just joking. Uh, this is the thing about Jimmy, and you you already know this. You understand this. Jimmy is one of the, if not the best playoff performer in the last three, four years. He is the best. You know what you're going to get from him. The problems lie with who at the end of the at the end of the day. It's the inconsistencies with with Bam and the inconsistencies with Tyler Hero. That's those are the two biggest flops in the postseason so far for us outside of the first year. Uh, I'm 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 dead set serious. Bam was super disappointing, super in the in postseason, and Tyler Hero just disappeared. It's the truth. These players need the ball as much as possible now to get as much production and as much experience on the on the floor at all times. Jimmy giving them the ball is prepping the team. For a for a better playoff run than before, because you don't need Jimmy dropping thirty seven. Let, let having... me stop you right there. My issue is Jimmy coming out and saying that there's issues with late game execution when it's up to him. That it, don't don't put that on someone else. That's on you. If you want the ball, you get the ball. Don't act. Don't put it on on twenty two year old Tyler Hero, who, like you said, is trying to get in the rhythm now. So come playoff time, he has some some uh, confidence. That's my gripe with Jimmy over this past week. Do you want to respond? Okay. Three, two, one. What I don't understand is that Tyler here is already making that step to being a better, a better end of game executioner. At the, you've, I've, I've, I've seen it. And even with that shot that he took, and and he he wanted to win the game. That shows growth. It shows personal growth. 
from Tyler Hero. That's only going to happen if he has the ball in his hands as much as possible. And I'm saying that with Bam as well. And if that comes at the sacrifices, Jimmy, uh, of, of regular season, you know, MJ quality, um, uh, Jimmy Butler, then then I'm okay with it. Take as many games off. Release your new line of, of big face coffee. I don't know what it's going to be this week. You know, it was iced coffee last week. This week it's going to be double, double, you know, Arabica roast. I don't care what the hell you're doing. Take the time off you need. It's time for Tyler and Bam to take over and to be the team, the, to be the number one and two options so far. It should be Jimmy third. It should be Tyler and Bam one. They should be sharing it. Bam is by far the better the better offensive player, you know, in, in, in that, that I want to be the first option. Tyler Hero is a better shooter, but he's inconsistent. He needs more time. Jimmy with the ball out of his hands is the best thing for this team. There's so much wrong with what you just said. And LJ, give me a little nod if we got time for it. I'm not sure how we're doing here. First of all, I said you didn't answer my question. I said my issues with Jimmy, who went out after the game versus Spurs and complained about their late game execution. It's because he said something. You bring up good points. You, you want those guys. You want to see the development from those guys. I love that Tyler took that shot. I had no issues with the shot whatsoever. My issue is that Jimmy can do that and then after the game complain about the execution. That's my issue. The second thing wrong with what you said is you want these guys practicing now so come playoff time. George, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're the 10th seed, George. They're two up at 13. That's the issue. Why the hell are you worrying about these dudes getting ready for the playoffs? This is winning time, George. It's not last season. If you're struggling to beat the Detroit Pistons and the Spurs because Jimmy didn't perform, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. You don't deserve it because you have two up-and-coming stars in this league, and if you can't beat those teams without Jimmy Butler and his late-game execution, you don't deserve to beat the playoffs. You deserve to be right next to the Charlotte fucking Hornets in the play-in. That's where you deserve to be. Now, I'm about what teams getting what they deserve, and you misconstrued that 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 Jimmy Jimmy Butler quote at the end of the Spurs game, you've taken it too far. You've taken it too far. You have. You've taken it as in he, he's he's shitbagging these players, saying the, the execution shit because it, when he's the late game executioner, I don't think that is. He just means he's 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 frustrated with the whole effort at the end of the game. It's on the defensive and the offensive end as well. That's what he's upset about. Not that Tyler's making taking the shot. It's just the team's not coming together at these crucial points to make the play. And I, I stand by my I stand by my 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 rebuttal. I stand by all of this. Jimmy well, should be taking the time off. It's time we'll for hear, Bam and Tyler to take over. Maybe we'll hear from him uh, tomorrow. Oh wait, we won't because he's taking another rest day. I'm done. We wave the flag. We wave the flag. George is going to go outside and punch a kangaroo or something after we close. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode number ten, Big One O. Congratulations, everybody. Thank you for our listeners. We're taking some time to tune in with your favorite scrubs. And remember, if you're feeling down because of the heat season so far, just remember LeBron's famous quote, Zima Yama Yaba Dava Dulo Old Navy. Thank you guys. Be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.